Good morning, everybody. I doubt we need the microphone, but we'll use it anyway, just for now. Uh, thank you for attending. We have Councilmember Alice Lee from the Wailuku Voting District, and we have Marcy Martin from Real Property Division of Finance, uh, and they are here to talk to us about the real property tax reform measures that the County Council has recently adopted through Bills 58 and 59. So pay attention and be prepared to ask lots of hard, uh, aggressive questions at the end, because that's, that's what politicians really like the most, the aggressive questions. <laughs> so right now I'll hand it off to Councilmember Lee. Thank you, Jason, and aloha and good morning to everyone. Thank you uh, for inviting us here. Uh, I, I apologize that Jason has tried to schedule something sooner, but it was difficult to, um, between his schedule and my schedule and Marcy's schedule and Jeff's schedule, it's not that easy all the time. But before I forget, um, we are having another meeting like this next Thursday at the uh, Pu'ukukui cafeteria in Wailuku. So if uh, maybe your colleagues or associates want to go to that one, uh, you're, you know, please tell them they're free to come. It starts at 7 o'clock and it'll probably run to about 8.30, 9 o'clock. So for this morning, um, as Jason mentioned, we're here to talk about our proposed tax changes and uh, starting things off will be Marcy Martin, who is the Division Chief of the Real Property Tax Division um, of the Department of Finance. Now with us also, we have our legal person, uh, Deputy Corporation Counsel Jeff Boyoka. So if you have any legal questions, he'll be happy to answer every one of them. <laughs> and um, so at this time, and her, uh, Marcy's presentation is quite <coughs> short. After that, I will make some comments, and then we'll open the floor for questions and your comments. Okay? So Marcy? Yep. Um, hello, thank you for inviting us here. First, I'm going to talk about when will the proposed changes come into effect. So right now, we're in a very critical period, the month of December. The deadlines for all of our applications are due December 31st. So the applications we're receiving right now will impact the January 1st 2020 assessment, which goes for 12 calendar months, and then those impact the 2021 real property taxes, which go from July 1st to June 30th, 2021. So as a realtor, those concepts are really good to know when you're talking to your clients, because there's a lag between this date and, and this date. So right now we're accepting applications for home exemptions, um, agriculture use values, circuit breaker. Circuit breaker is our tax relief program. If your real property taxes exceed 2% of your adjusted gross income and you have a home exemption, you should consider applying. 
So our assessment date is January 1st. And then on March 15th, we send out assessment notices to every address on file at the Real Property Assessment Division. Now you all are my coworkers. We are all in this together. The best thing a realtor can tell their clients is make sure the clients have a good mailing address with our office. Everyone should review their assessment notice on March 15th. You need to look at your classification. You need to look at your gross value. Your gross value should be around what you could sell your property for as of June 30th from the prior year. You need to look at your exemption. If you're entitled to the home exemption, you're gonna see the exemption that you're entitled to and you see the exemption amount your gross value minus your exemption is your net taxable value. That's the value that the tax rates will be applied to. Um, you have from March 15th until April 9th to informally have any corrections made to your property assessment or to file an appeal. Our deadlines at our office are statutory. There's no, oops, I forgot to uh, apply for my ag use. It's January 2nd. We have hard deadlines. Our appeal deadline is a hard deadline. We don't accept private mail postage. We use the IRS postage rules. If you have clients mailing in an appeal, use the US Post Office, get your appeal postmarked April 9th. But prior to that, call our office. If you or your clients have any questions regarding your value, your classification, call our office, talk to your assessor. But if you don't agree, then you lodge your appeal. Um, so between <laughs> April 9th and April 19th, the Real Property Assessment Division <coughs> totals all the assessed values and we provide a certification to the county council. The county council uses that certification to deliberate on tax rates, which will be established in June for the tax bills that get mailed out in July and again in February, I mean in January, and then they're due February and they're due in August. And in between here, the mayor provides his proposed budget as well. So in the new ordinance, these things are not changing. The home exemption program is not changing. Circuit breaker program is not changing. The agriculture use program is not changing. You have your home exemption, and you have an agriculture use valuation, you're still gonna get your use valuation, you're still gonna get your home exemption, and you're still be in, uh, entitled to be classified along with all other properties that have the home exemption. A lot of people are concerned that we're gonna separate out and provide multiple classifications to a single property no, you're in the homeowner class, 
uh, provided you don't have any other commercial uses, you're going to be in entirely in the homeowner class. However, the name of the homeowner class is changing. It's going to be called owner occupied. So again, when you get your assessment notice or your clients get their assessment notice, instead of seeing the word for your classification homeowner, they're going to see the word owner occupied. They need to look, look down the assessment notice look at their exemption value, make sure that that $200,000 is still there, and make sure that the um, exemption is also on your assessment notice below. So that's the way they can you know, take a deep breath and go, okay, I still have my, my home exemption, I'm still in that classification. So this is a, a big change. Parcels with dwellings that do not have a home exemption will be in the non-owner occupied class. So this uses a list of the parcels that are being affected. Agriculture and rural zoned properties improved with a dwelling. Maui Meadows, Maui Uplands, Haiku, Maui Apoko. All those, they have a dwelling they don't have the home exemption. Last year, their assessment notice is going to say agriculture. This year, it's going to say non-owner occupied. Marcy, what about these people who have 15-year or 10-year or 5-year leases? They'll still be considered owners. Yeah, they still can qualify for the home exemption. But if they're condo owners, right, they might be um, in the apartment class this year. Next year, they're going to be in the owner-occupied, I mean, non-owner-occupied class. Um, conservation zone with a dwelling, going to be in the non-owner-occupied. So what's going to happen is your owner-occupied and your non-owner-occupied classes are going to be uh, reflections of each other. Same composition in terms of real property. The main difference is going to be your owner-occupied has the home exemption, and your non-owner-occupied doesn't have the home exemption. The other thing that's changing is that the, uh, we're going to get the ability to have tiered tax rates in the following classes, the owner-occupied, non-owner-occupied, short-term rental, commercial, and industrial. So what a tiered tax rate system means is that Within each of these classifications, there is the capability of having three different tax rates based upon value thresholds. Three different tax rates on each property? On a particular property? On a property based upon value thresholds. So the first 200, like, theoretically, the first 200,000 would be taxed at this rate, the second 
two, three hundred thousand would be taxed at this rate. So we're rate. talking about properties like Maui Meadows where the owner lives in one and then rent out the cottage. No. No, no. The whole entire property. Yeah. This is this isn't specific to this is just every property that falls into those categories. Well could be subject to a tiered system. So you have so a marker, I could give you the yeah. example yeah. of the board. So if you're in compact, so people have compared yeah, it to the water, water bill. bill. Yeah. Water bill. Oh, no. oh, here it is. So what are the proposed threshold now? To use two hundred thousand. I don't. I just throwing a number out. They're gonna determine that when they determine yeah. rates. Yeah. In April. The budget process. Okay. I just wondered if you wanted an example. <coughs> Would this apply for owner occupants too? Value threshold. Yes, there's potential. They don't, they don't have to give the tiers, but there is a potential to create the tiers. Legislation authorizes it, yeah. basically. Yeah. That just seems like, you know, since we have the homeowner's exemption because we're trying to prefer low, you know, low taxes for people who live here, it makes sense that they would be exempt from a threshold one because they're the ones that suffer from inflation and all. Sorry, I don't get the. I know, I didn't say. <laughs> <laughs> can, can you see that? Eight hundred thousand in one dollar, not eight hundred. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. That's why I didn't want to do that one. <laughs> Is this for all of Maui County? Will this apply to Molokai too? Yeah. Yes. The one there. Zero. Blue zero. Yeah. It's going to apply to anyone in these classifications. So. Lanai, Molokai, Kona. Can everybody see that? That's just an example. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. So, in other words, maybe you can tell them uh, the first um, tier tier would be you know the, you can let's say pick up a, a house that's nine hundred thousand dollars. So a house that had a net taxable value of nine hundred thousand, it would be taxed eight hundred thousand dollars at rate one, and then a hundred thousand dollars at rate two. Yeah. Um, oh, like for instance, right now the rate is this. Uh, let's say this one. This is just a hypothetical. Yeah, hypothetical. <laughs> and then, and this one, who knows, three, three fifty or something. Is there any bearing on the delineation between the land and improvement value, or it's just straight total value? It's total value. Hmm. So right now, when you appeal your assessment. You appeal on total value. As appraisers, we come up with total value. That's um, using our evaluation methodology, that's how properties sell. Um, but we will display land and building value. Currently, we have two tax rates. We have one tax rate for land value, and we have one tax rate for building value. Um, passage of this law also combines those two into one tax rate for total value. Historically, they've always been the same. And historically, though. they've always been the same. So no one really 
knew that that existed. But um, to be transparent, the Real Property Tax Division would like to continue uh, providing land and building values on the assessment notice and on our website. Because we feel it's, um, you know, helps the taxpayer kind of understand where their assessment comes from. For a condominium, that's not necessarily true, but if you have, you know, um, agriculture land, for example, large acreage, it's nice to know what your land is assessed for and what your building is assessed for. Uh, two of the other counties don't, don't display that, but I, I will probably continue to fight for providing that information just for information for the taxpayer but ultimately we're held accountable to the total value. Are any of the other counties using a tiered system? Well, yeah, Honolulu has um, a residential, the class yep. is residential A. Yep. It's a little different than our setup though. Yeah, okay, yeah. <coughs> and it's only two tiers and their rate is very high twice, three times ours. And another question, why were you able to vote on that without talking to us before? Because we kind of feel that you swept everything under the rug. And I don't think it's fair because we were not really able to share. That's your question. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> for me. That's <laughs> for me. Okay. Um, you know, I agree okay. with her. Push this through. Yeah. She, she takes care of the implementation. So if you have a question, if uh, somebody died or divorced, what happens to the title and this and that, and home ownership passes, those kinds of assessment issues are all hers. Mine would be policy questions, like yours. And uh, so <clears throat> with regard to uh, pushing things under the rug, this is what, December 13th. We don't make a decision till April and May. But you voted on December 1st, correct? It had to be voted before the 1st to be applicable for next year. Okay, what, what we did was we did two things in, our, in passing the ordinance. Number one, we created the ability to charge by tiers. Yeah, so we, we created the tiers. We don't have to use them, but we can use them. And third, I mean second, we created uh, new classifications. Other than that, we didn't do anything. So, you know, I don't really believe anybody can, I mean, you can accuse us of, of rushing, but we started this back in the summer, and we had public meetings, uh, and uh, first and second reading, in addition to our community meetings, and publicity on our, we had a special, what is called a temporary <laughs> investigative group of council members, four of us, that actually <coughs> made this proposal and it was passed by the council, and we had seven of those meetings. So I don't, I don't really believe that um, we uh, rushed this process, and, and we are making every effort, now that uh, we're done with the ordinance, we're making every effort to reach out to the community. Yes? What are some of the specific motivations and desired <coughs> outcomes by wanting to implement this like why why change this well i'll tell you from the policy standpoint why and she can tell you um from the technical standpoint why uh, being realtors i'm sure you have uh, noticed that we are in a acute housing crisis 
And one of the uh, main issues that we deal with every day is the fact that we have an inordinate amount of short-term rentals, many of them illegal. And so they, they drain our housing stock, no matter how you, how you look at it. So what we're trying to do is, and we're not done with our work, we're trying to also create incentives for people to, um, to have long-term rentals. And hopefully the incentives we create will, will move them in that direction and then not continue to use or to have short-term rentals. That's one, one, one way we're trying to deal with the housing crisis. In addition to creating new housing, which you know is very difficult because every time we try to develop housing, no matter where it is, nobody wants it in their neighborhood. Nobody. You know, and, and it's very tiring and frustrating for us. When we're running for office, everybody says we need affordable housing. That is every survey, every poll says the number one problem, the number one issue that the community wants the council to take care of is affordable housing. The minute we get into office, they don't want that affordable housing, not in their backyard. So we have that issue. We also have the issue of water, you know, which is ridiculous because we have more water than Oahu. Our aquifers in East Maui and in, in the entire island uh, consists of 427 million gallons a day. Yeah? Oahu has 408 million gallons a day. But in our case, Every time we try to develop water, we get sued, and we're held up in court. So every way, which way we turn, we, we keep trying and we keep moving in these directions to develop new infrastructure, develop new housing stock, but we also have to look at these types of uh, situations where we can encourage people to put their units back into the rental market. And this is, this is a very important uh, concern of ours, yeah? So it sounds like affordable housing is the major initiative here, which I completely agree with. But I think it's really short-sighted to say that the lack of affordable housing is due to illegal short-term rentals. I don't know, I, I think it is a prolific problem and I commend you guys for taking the necessary steps to help reduce that. However, um, is there a proposal in place since you're looking at tax reform, how about reforming the overall development process and getting the various departments on the same page? Because I think that's a lot bigger issue that is stalling development and overall housing here. Yeah. And you, you guys know, are just- I, I guess you're not hearing me. I, I no, just, I hear you. No, I, I just got through you. telling you, yeah. I just got through telling you there is a multiplicity <laughs> of problems and obstacles. It's not just short-term rentals. I'm just saying that's just one aspect that we have to deal with. I just told you the idea of people not wanting uh, housing in their neighborhoods is a huge hurdle for us. And, and the fact that we get sued every time we want to develop new infrastructure, that's another huge, you know. So we're, we're trying to be realistic and we're trying to be comprehensive in addressing this issue of housing. But we also need, we feel, uh, a more equitable way of taxing. And this is, and you know, if, if you want to disagree with that, that's fine. But it's, I just want to make the point 
that we are moving in, in trying to move in a holistic way. We're trying to be realistic and we're trying to surround the problem with all the tools we can. So um, maybe, um, Marcy, you want to talk about the, implementing these kinds of things? So um, currently right now, you know, we, we send out our notices on March 15th. And at that time, real property does their values. Taxpayers don't really know what their taxes are, are going to be. Um, the mayor submits his budget shortly after that. And that's the time when the community starts needing to be aware of where the budget's going, where tax rates may be. Um, and that's submitted to the county council on April 19th. That's called the certification. And we come in and we provide data and lots of data. And um, we provide this statistical package here um, explaining, you know, what the trends are, where values are, what's changed. This is available online. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, if you go to the county website and in your search you type in assessed values, you can see this for a few years. Um, Marcy, there's water. Yes. <laughs> so that's what we will do to um, assist in this situation. You know, we'll provide all the different value scenarios and all the statistics that are, are needed for people to participate in the process. Okay. Do you have more slides? No. Okay. I keep switching back and forth. Oh, I see, I see. Okay. If you have more questions for Marcy, we'll uh, come back to her. But uh, I just want to point out a few things. Uh, another reason why we are looking at tax reform is we happen to have the lowest tax rates in the United States of America. And so when people want better roads and they want better infrastructure and they want a lot of things, that takes money. And our main generator for revenues is uh, real property taxes. So we have to take a look at this. Why are we, and even the state legislature, the legislators keep telling us every year, why don't you raise taxes? Why don't you raise taxes? Because we, we complain to them, give us our share of the TAT. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, you're not really taxing your, your folks. You're like everybody else. So we, we have this constant argument going um, with the legislators. Uh, the best states for property taxes in the U.S. are Hawaii, and then here comes Alabama, Louisiana, Delaware. We're the lowest. Now, the $2.90 is really, I don't know what the word is. Uh, <laughs> Uh, generous yeah that's very generous we've always tried to keep our taxes low so that it wouldn't create a burden especially on the our low income and average income people right in here so that is another reason why we went, we're looking at tiers creating a second tier that may or may not be higher 
See, we haven't decided yet. And that decision won't happen until April. So you have a lot of time to lobby the council members, etc., on what you think would be reasonable rates. It's right here. The 290 is what we pay now per thousand. Yeah. So we were discussing loosely that maybe we might raise the second tier a little bit. And then this one is the one that would probably affect the richest people on Maui. And so um, we also found out that over half of our properties are owned by uh, people not from Maui. So again, you know, I think this is ample justification to try and re revamp our tax system and pro provide something more equitable so that there's kind of a protection for those who want to live here on a long-term basis and not just speculate. So that's, that's where we are. Yes? Do you anticipate the overall tax liability for any of the given tiers reducing from what it currently is? I mean, I know that you guys are, you, 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 you know, you need to raise the rate amount and the assessments amount correlate with the, the overall market, but <clears throat> do you anticipate any of those tiers reducing, kind of nullifying those other factors, reducing them from what they currently are? I know that's kind of a complicated question. No, I, I don't anticipate a reduction. <clears throat> uh, there's quite, it's quite possible it won't change. It's very possible. That well, because we we're not doing this in a vacuum. We're gonna wait to see what the budget is like when it comes to us. I mean, if if the mayor reduces his budget, why would we increase increase the rates, right? Uh, so until a lot of things happen, until we see the certification of revenues, until we see the mayor's budget, until a lot of things happen, that's when and then community input. That's when we'll make the decision. So who knows, that 290 may stay the same for all tiers. Okay, yes? So um, first, further to what you were saying about um, working towards creating more affordable housing and helping the permanent existing. Actually, I think if you've been all making really good strides and efforts to simplifying the system, obviously there's a lot more to go. And you guys have been fighting lots of uphill battles in communities, and I totally understand that. Um, I. Uh, for the tax portion of it, I think further to what he's saying, it makes a lot of sense if the lower income would actually reduce to help the, lo the local people. But again, already some of the cheapest homes are butting up against the $800,000 property. I mean, I sold, you know, uh, barely a ramshackle, you know, tin roof for above 800000 just in the last couple of weeks. And it's where, really where, unfortunate. Where was it? It's 71 LEU, which is in uh, North Kiei. And um, and it's uh, you know some uh, illegal structures and things of that nature. Um, it's it's one of those things that people are trying to make housing for the people around them, and they're fighting for the affordability that they can. And I really do like also the work that to make a third <coughs> kitchen, an additional living structure, all really great. But when I see the property tax rates and creating kind of like classism, and I, to me. I understand the system that we currently have because maybe I've just adopted to it and we have a lot of investment for second homes. I could get that. But for people who simply live here and work here, we're all fighting 
you know, for a place to live. And, you know, some people have been out in McKenna for generations and they just happen to be on a property that's worth $10 million on, you know, some tin shacks. So, I mean, I, I well, we're think- trying to, <laughs> We're trying to take care of those people. Yeah, and that's why I think you if know. you guys clarified and just avoided the, that class fight within the homeowner's exemption, that would be okay and not do that stuff. But if you're gonna be talking about doing this for investment properties and rental properties and whatnot, that makes a little bit more sense. I think it just kind of overly complicates it. If you need to raise the rates, I mean, I understand that's one of those things you do have a lot of our income that's being taken from the state and we have lots of issues with you know our finances. But I, I don't know, it just, to me, it would be better to unify us to fight the state as opposed to fighting amongst each other about the scraps that we have left. Well, I think you make a good point. You know, I don't know, and we're going to find out how many people own five and ten million dollar homes. So they're, they're way different from these people. Well, they, live, they, they definitely are people who own it, but they typically don't live here. They're like part-time residences. So No, no, that's yeah. what I meant. Yeah. I meant, I meant uh, your idea of tiering the non-owner-occupied. Yeah. Is a good one, I think. Better, and, you know, and but I'm just saying that I, I don't think you can classify somebody as a five million dollar. In fact, people have told me, believe it or not, these people who are, have these very very expensive homes have told me we should pay more. <laughs> they have told me that we should pay more. If we're trying to create more availability, it might make sense just to simply tax vacant homes the same way that other places and nations have, mm -hmm. as opposed to raising the taxes in general. So that way it's uh, forced adoption and gets people places to stay. Mm -hmm. You know, as long as it's over a six month period, mm -hmm. you should be able to be grandfathered in or just have a lower tax rate. And, but if you have a vacant home for nine, 10 months out of the year, I could understand having a higher rate for that. Yeah. And then there's a whole buttload of vacant homes that are just sitting there and nobody's using it and that would fill a void but again I think that would make a heck of a lot more sense than overcomplicating the tax system that's already complicated. Mm -hmm. Okay well we'll certainly take that into consideration. Uh, we keep in mind that the rates may not even change. Okay so this is the kind of discussion we, we welcome. We want positive suggestions. You know you don't have to Tell us about the problem. I think we know what the problem is. <laughs> yeah. So rather than dwell on the problem, let's figure out, okay, let's have some creative ideas to, to deal with this issue. Yes. Um, quick question and, and also a, a, a note of clarification. Generally, RAM does not like the idea of taxing vacant homes, and there, there are a lot of reasons for that, and we could talk about that later. Um, but one of my questions was that, that you had said um, more than half of the properties on the island are owned by people who aren't residents. Uh, is that based on the number of properties signed up for the homeowner exemption? How, how did you come to that number? That excludes, uh, because that excludes the home exemption. And I want to forewarn all of you, again, we talked about mailing addresses. If you have a home exemption, you better have a mailing address in Maui County. <laughs> so the reason I, I ask is I've, I've heard from actually a couple of people, and this is primarily anecdotal, that they are landlords and they rent out one unit on their property and they tried to get the home exemption 
and they were told that they can't get the homeowner exemption because they're not entirely occupying. Wait, now you're moving on to a different subject. Right? Different. But let me address that. But, but what I'm saying is if that's the perception and that's how you're coming up with your number of half the, the properties. No, no, she's by okay. addresses. So if you have a rental, you are still entitled to the home exemption if you live on the property. And the whole property gets the homeowner tax rate. So you just, you know, here in Kahului, so we've got a whole bunch of two unit properties. Um, they all get the homeowner tax rate on the entire property and they get the $200,000 off of their value. Okay, then that gentleman has been waiting. So you used the Alabama as an example of lowest okay. state uh, property taxes. However, Alabama has a, the highest within the top five of sales tax. So we keep trying to equalize how tourism and everything is affecting the island, yet we're in the top lowest for property taxes. We're also in the top five lowest for, for sales tax. So you, know, you can't really use Alabama because they compensate by sales tax. I just so, I'm reading what the I know, but you're using a partial truth. Yeah. yeah. So okay. you got to look at you got to look at how they're bringing all their revenue. You can't use one argument and then not look okay. at the other. Okay. I'm really. So. I was just trying to give you examples. I'm not trying to um, <laughs> equate Hawaii with uh, Alabama. I don't think right. Alabama is one of the top destinations in the world. <laughs> like so, us, okay. You know? okay. So let's use what you just said. Is yeah. We're trying to equalize what tourism's doing to the island in terms of infrastructure and everything else. Taxing the homeowner over and over and over again is not balancing out what's happening to the island as being a destination, as you just put it. Sales tax would take care of all the people stopping off at the airport and going to Costco and equalize how people are spending their money, whether it's on boogie boards or cases of water. <laughs> Yeah, um, no, because for state constitution, the county yeah. has no authority to do anything other than property tax. Property yeah. tax. But, yeah. It, but the council can go to the state and legislate to try to bring in revenues that, that direction. Good luck to you with that, So just keep hitting the homeowners over and over yeah. and over again. Yeah. You know, you, you increase, you know, is the short term rentals part of that? amount of people that don't live on island because there's hotel resort condo resorts short-term vacation rental properties if they're part of this mixture of what you're throwing out as a number of non non-owner occupied that's zoned for that yeah and those are high-rise condo complexes so you you can't take that and say everybody's not living on island and, and here's the percentage I want another percentage if that is part of that number. If you take that out, what are we really talking? Okay. That's, you can answer that. Um, <laughs> yeah, we have that available. And you, it does include the um, short-term rental condominiums, which most of them are. Um, if you go to the HTA website, you can really get an idea of the makeup of, of Maui County. Most a you know, large portion of our housing is being occupied in these resort zone areas. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, so we're not trying to um, <laughs> overburden the homeowner class. 
how can we? We haven't changed the rates hardly. $2.90 per thousand. That's why we get criticized by the state, because it's too low. But what we're doing is not, we're not trying to change this category, and we're not even trying to change this too much. We're looking at possibly changing, adding a little bit. But it all depends on the budget. If the budget, budget doesn't call for uh, substantial new revenues, why would we? Why would we? You know, if the budget right now is like 850 million, why would we raise it to uh, 950 million? There's no need for that because we go by the capacity of and resources of the county and what the budget calls for. We may, the council may raise it a little bit for certain projects, but there's no way we're gonna raise it beyond what we need. So the, the fear of taxing the workforce people and the average citizens it is unfounded. Yep. Rather than being tiered, wouldn't it make more sense to tax it by use like how we are now? Because let's say you're taxing people with Omanas that are renting out to long term to local families, local people. They're just going to pass on of those expenses and increases to the renter. And when we talk about <coughs> to move away from short term rentals and provide more long term rental housing. But those charges are just going to, the same way this year when short-term rental rates were increased, those nightly rates for those short-term rentals just went up. You know, those costs just get passed on. Yeah, right? but those so short-term rentals are the renters, our residents. Like the local residents here that are renting, you know, their monthly <coughs> rents are going to go up. Uh, well, I'm not sure how that would be because our local residents, for the most part, do not rent short-term rentals. No, 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 I'm saying for if you're if you're going to be tearing the homeowner. Homeowner class. Yeah. It's you going to affect the, the long-term renter? Yeah, because if they're renting out, like uh, Ohana or something to family, yeah. their taxes are going up. They're going to be like, oh, well, my expenses are up. Your rent's going to go well, up. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> you want to explain this? We won't. I don't think we're experts on it. You guys are the experts on what market rent is and all that kind of stuff and what gets passed on. Marcy is a real property tax person. I'm an attorney. You guys are the realtors. You guys know what will affect that. But I understand your point. They did introduce some language. It got cut <coughs> out of the bill because it needed to be tweaked a little. But we look at more of the, currently it's residential. That's the classification that we look at to take care of in the sense that a lot of those are long-term rentals here on Maui. That's where the long-term rentals really come in. Owner-occupied, typically speaking, while well, I understand there's a lot of Ohanas on Maui, but typically speaking, the residential class is the long-term rentals. They were looking at putting in some language for a long-term residential dedication. To give still them a still yeah, they're going to have to re we're revisit it. They're going to revisit it. Um, but that idea would be just that, where even though you're raising the tiers up, allow them to dedicate to long-term residential, it'll help take care of the long-term renters in that sense. Uh -huh. They realize that's a big component of the residential workforce housing crisis, you know, the long-term rentals. So they are cognizant of it. So I don't know what they're gonna do though. You know. Yes. So um, I've been licensed for 14 years and I do a little bit of property management, North Shore and Country. I've seen the rent going berserk. Like I just rented in Kula a one bedroom 
from 1936 for 16.50 a month. I just rented a two-bedroom one bath in Haiku for 27.95, and I always give priority to locals. You, instead of ra raising us, who we make a living here, and, and giving us a tiered property tax, there are other creative solutions you should really think about, like ag land, two acres and more. You should allow people to build two ohanas instead of one. You would therefore increase our rental inventory tremendously. I just, I just <laughs> sold. I it's did. already allowed. Not two. You, one, one main dwelling main and one farm dwelling. Yeah. She's talking two, about Agland, though. Yeah, Agland, mm. two acres and more. You you tackle residential and rural. You left Ag on its own. All the lots zone Ag are two acres and more. Like I sold something in Haiku, in the new subdivision of Kawikoa Farms. My buyer is by building his new home. It's going to be a long-term rental. He's waiting to build the Ohana because he thinks. I checked with Jason that you might change a law and allowing people to have two ohanas. Therefore, instead of three families renting, it's two families renting, you would have three families renting on two acres and more. That's easily achievable. Okay, let, let me have, see, when I pass the mic, it's because it's how they interpret and how they assess yeah, that's each property. from you too, because it would be a new law. No, no, well, what I'm saying is that how would they, how, how do they do it now? and how, uh, what would it take to accomplish what she's suggesting? No, it, it's actually not an RPT thing. They're talking so about um, land use regulation. No, but I'm sure, no, wait, 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 wait. I'm sure you have properties that have two ohanas on. Not, no property on Maui has two ohanas. No, 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 what she's saying is change the law, because currently, you guys changed the law recently to allow on certain R1. square footage, R1 or whatever, you can build two Ohanas. Okay. Ag was not included in that. It was only yeah. R1 or whatever okay. zone properties. Right. Okay. That's what she said. All I'm, I'm asking of Marcy, all I'm asking of you is, how do you interpret these kinds of parcels now that have two Ohanas no. and one main dwelling? No, no, no. That's not what you're no, asking. it doesn't exist. Legally, it doesn't exist. Well, well I know no, it exists. <laughs> Okay. No, you're asking for a change yes. in land use regulation, not your property tax. Because the county tackled rural and okay. residential zoning. I'm not sure if that's possible, but it, yeah, it's, you know. it's possible. Well, <laughs> well you know. Why not? It, no, because, because <laughs> a lot right of people, people don't want that. You know, there are other peoples in the community who, um, even though that may be a great idea, they may not want that kind of density. I, you know, it's, it's, it's like... Two acres or more? <laughs> well, Some people are you, 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 allowed, you now are allowing one ohana on less than 7,500 square feet. I know, but in lots of people's minds, <laughs> agriculture zoning is for agriculture. Yeah? So you may have a solution in your mind, but there are a lot of people who may not agree with you so it's our job to weigh both sides. Like, you know, all, everybody in this room might like your idea, but then all the people in Haiku may not, you know? So it, it's not that simple to make that kind of a change. Any land use change is like moving mountains, you know? Yeah, Honestly. it is. And, but further to what she's saying though, um, 
there, with two acres, putting another Ohana on it would probably increase the use of the land and the agricultural use because more labor means you can do more. One of the biggest costs for agriculture on the island is people to work the farms. And if people are going to have their families living and working in the same place, they'd have that opportunity with more housing. Again, not your department, but if, if, if you could tell people, that's great. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't really have uh, land use, but I am on the committee, and uh, the, the the problem is again, and we can all of your your input will be you know conveyed to our Thank my you. colleagues, but uh, I just want you to know that we've had a few uh, housing projects, uh, you know, Makila Farms and other too. other you know ag housing projects on the west side that were denied because they don't want that kind of density. I mean, it's and it's the community saying, hey, we don't want this. So we can't force things on people. Was that the Lani Whether they make sense or not. That was like the Lani Apoco higher end properties not wanting the cheaper properties below them. Is that the ones you're referring to that got cut down? <laughs> you said it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's another one of the NIMBY things that you're going to end up fighting on a regular basis. But yeah, it, I don't think it was really a density. I think people just, well. They use that. They're like, that. hey, I like to have vacant land in front of me. I don't want construction. So, you know, NIMBY. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And there was a question back here. You had a question? No. I think, we, I think the, the, name, the word came out. The nimbyism has already been brought oh. out here, oh. but it goes to housing stock. So if you're looking to increase housing stock, at some point you have to balance and say, just because they don't want it in their neighborhood. I mean, this, we saw that with the water meter issue when they wanted to give more water meters for our country, and the opposition people waiting years and years, and now oh, because there's going to be people living here now. We can't have that. So this, this, I mean, as a council, we have to say, at one point we have to say, we got to stand up to the NIMBYs and say, wait a minute, we, we, we matter too. People who want homes, want uh, affordable homes, or they want rentals, every time you have a great project come up, you have this opposition because, oh, we don't want people living in our neighborhood. That has to stop. That has to stop. And if we can figure out a way well, to Well, we have it. to be stronger. We have to be stronger. We have to come together. All the people, everybody have to say, wait a minute, we need to have homes for our working okay. people. Here, here's a suggestion. Check the record. I voted for every single housing project. Well, my colleagues didn't. Well, that's my colleagues didn't, so those are the people you have to talk to. Because <laughs> right now you're just preaching to the choir. Okay, well, yeah, I'll get to you, but um, Cassandra, you had a question. Yeah, uh, well, a couple of observations. You know, our real property tax rates are low, but in other states that includes education, yes, which we right. do at the that's state level. Point, right? So <clears throat> to just say that our real property taxes are low is not the full picture. Um, we're primarily focused at low to moderate income households, and inflation has increased the value of the property. So even though the rate is low, the property value goes up, and the home exemption was reduced a number of years ago. Uh, yeah. So, you know, those families are still, they're very marginal financially, and every time the assessments go up, even if the rate stays the same, it makes it harder for them to stay in their homes. Right. And the assessments go up because we don't have enough inventory. 
And, and to your point about um, comparable rates, we have the lowest rate in the, in the state of Hawaii. Lower than Kauai, lower than the Big Island, lower than Oahu. So let's, let's skip Delaware and New Jersey. <laughs> the other counties are higher than us. Yes? Back to the nimbyism thing. Alice and I were at the Waikapu meeting this week. Three projects on the table. One Hawaiian homeland, 161 <coughs> parcels for Hawaiians. They wanted it in Lahaina. They go, send this to Lahaina. They need it more there. One 100% affordable 80, I think it was 81 or lots or something. Really nice green space, everything. Oh, it's too much. You know, these are people, this is the Waikapu Community Association. NIMBYism is going to be our biggest hurdle. I think that is the thing to address. There is a term, NIMBY, that they use in San Francisco. Yes, in my backyard. <coughs> I think we need to sort of start a NIMBY campaign to say this is the way to solve, you know, we need to fight NIMBYism with NIMBYism. It was amazing to hear these people going, 4,000 plus Hawaiians on the wait list. 100, and they're like, oh, oh you did, we don't, this, not central, no, this needs to be in Lahaina. I know, and everybody says this. Everybody who comes to testify before us says, I support affordable housing. It's just a location I don't like. <laughs> they always say that, every single time. So, <coughs> yes, Cassandra. I have one more comment about using the address as the um, documentation on whether it's owner-occupied or not. There are a lot of properties that are held in trust that are being administered by a trust company that could be on Oahu or even on the mainland. Sometimes one spouse has died, but the remaining spouse is living in the house and is owner-occupied. So I just have a concern if the only criteria is the address. <coughs> So the criteria for the home exemption are many. Uh, one criteria is you cannot be delinquent. Another criteria is you must file a state of Hawaii resident income tax return prior to receiving the home exemption. So we go here, the application is December 31st. So in April 19, I filed my 18 state taxes. Um, if you do have a trust or someone who's taking care of your taxes <coughs> with a mainland address, you must add a second address to your property record. You can keep that mainland address, but you must have that mailing address in the county. So they're, they're big workarounds, easy to do. We just simply add that second second mailing address. And um, the mailing address is just one of many requirements, but you do need to meet all of, and you need to be living there. So you need to meet all of those requirements. Jason. I want to kind of add on to that and also clarify the concern that I was trying to state earlier. Um, I, I love the, the homeowner exemption. That's great. But let's look at, at separately, my concern is um, your picture as far as more than half of the properties are owned by people who don't live here. I'm not sure how accurate that is because you have a lot of properties that are owned as second properties by a family member who inherited them. 
um, or they're, they're purchased as investment properties because some auntie had a deal for somebody. And those are people who might be from Maui for multiple generations who have multiple properties. They might take the homeowner exemption on one property, but the rest of their properties are non-owner occupied and they'll be impacted. And I think if we go into these tiered tax systems with this notion that non-owner occupied means some foreign investor, um, the approach is going to be significantly different than if you view it as somebody who's trying to keep a property in their family that's been there for multiple generations, which is also occurring in the non-owner occupied classes. She searched for it through her computer, computer so maybe you can explain. It's just um, mailing addresses. Basically, is where those addresses come from. Where do people get? It's statistics, man. Yeah, it's, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a, the funny uh, saying in the Mark Twain saying: "There's lies, there's damn lies, and then there's statistics." Right. That's a good sign. Yeah, Marcy, I have a homeowner exemption question. It's a homeowner has a homeowner exemption, um, and then he move. They move to a new location, a new home, permanent residence in here in the county. How does that homeowner exemption transfer? Okay. This is a big one. <laughs> you need to report that you've moved from your one home and you need to reapply at your new home prior to December 31st. As a matter of fact, I would suggest if you do any kind of finagling with your title at all, including death, check with our office, reapply, right? You're deeding some of your property to your children. I'm condominiumizing my property. I'm moving my property into trust. I'm, all of those things, take a look at it. Um, if you have any questions, come to our office, ask your attorney, but there can be a gap. It's not transferable. So, if you buy a house that has the home exemption in January, you'll get the previous owner's home exemption for your February payment. If you buy a house that doesn't have a home exemption, you won't get the home exemption for well, that year. explain that you set the taxes per yeah. year, that's why. Taxes are set yeah. on an annual basis. Annual so basis, so. Just you get what you get. Yeah, you get what you get. So as a realtor, that's something you need to look at when a buyer's coming into the home. You need to understand the January 1st and the fiscal year. You need to look at what that property has currently and what it will have on January 1st. Because I can tell you one, issue it's not a super common issue but someone dies they have a home exemption they sell their property they lose their home exemption you know we don't know if someone who's going to buy it right and then the new owner comes in and says oh but here in february it had the home exemption but here in january it doesn't so in august they lose their home exemption so that's something that can maybe be worked into the sale price or be worked into escrow or something so it's okay to check in our office. If you go onto our website, um, this irritates some people, but for you guys it's a good um, piece of information. We have on our website the name of the person getting the home exemption and the year next to it. 
So right now, if you look on the website, we're showing 2019 data. And you're gonna see my name on my property with the 2019 on it. And you're gonna see my name with the 2020 on it. If my property had just my name with 2019 and nobody on it for 2020, that's an indication that the property may not be getting the home exemption for 2020. So it's a, if, it's, if that's a deal breaker, or if that's gonna hurt your buyer, it's just a good idea to check on the, check with our office, check with the seller, because um, it's a lot of money. You know, it's, the higher, you're selling a million dollar property, right, the home exemption is providing you you know, $4,000 difference in, in taxes. So, as home prices are going up, are is the exemptions going to change? You don't know. Yeah. So, the way it works, you know, is it's um, you have your value, right? And you have your exemption, which is a lump sum, and then you have your rate, uh, which is. Depending on use. Yeah. So, you know, it's. Increase Three, it another yeah. fifty thousand. Don't go for it. What's that? <laughs> I'm for increasing another fifty thousand. Go for it. <laughs> right now, though. Um, the uh, no, the exemption. You know, we're going to know it's instead of two fifty. Yeah. Is for this year, it, it's set because right. here our deadline is January one, and we notice you as of of March fifteenth. So any change to an exemption would be for yes. the next year. Um, I understand it's very important to have your address uh, if you're a homeowner um, on file. What about PO boxes? Does it have to be a physical address? No, a PO box in the county of Maui is fine. <laughs> that doesn't make sense, though. I mean, uh, well, that's what the law reads. Okay, so the law reads um, filing as a resident. In the state of Hawaii, tax returns, tax return, and then a mailing address within the county, because people from Oahu, Kauai, also have a residency income tax return. So you need to have that Maui County address, um, and we do check. By the way, every time we send mail, they send us back a list of people who are forwarding their mail. <laughs> and we will remove your exemption if we see that your mail is being forwarded to is this like over time or just for like a one-time thing <laughs> every year we mail here we go march 15 we mail july 1 and we mail january 1 so we hit that ncoa list and we check all of those, yeah. Yeah, so I have a, just a couple things to say. I'm, Alice, I'm a, I see your voting record, you're fabulous. Thank you for Thanks. being on the council, goodness. Um, but uh, for, first of all, I have a PO box since 1985, the same one, because I move around a little bit, five uh, different properties and so forth. So I agree with your post office box. now. Uh, now you have a tiered system already, I think, because you have you know 
owner-occupied, and you have non-owner-occupied, and you have timeshare, and you have a hotel. I mean, that's tiered right now. And, and then and now you're going to put a tier upon a tier, and I just don't think, to me, that's not fair. So just leave that for what it is. Uh, so I know you talked about, okay, well, Oahu has these tiers now. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if uh, Chicago has a certain way of tackling things or San Francisco. And all these progressive cities uh, seem to be having a lot of problems when they go through these progressive, progressive uh, uh, situations and tax here. And and I, I don't know. I talked to uh, uh, Alice about this uh, the other day. Was it yesterday already? That's another day. Yeah. Oh. Illegal vacation rental to me has nothing to do with these tiered taxes. The illegal vacation rentals, you just go after and get them. You know, it's it's bad to have illegal vacation rentals. Just it's just there's a way to get those without doing it. And then my final point is that if you take a a million dollar property compared to a two million dollar property, the two million dollar property pays twice as much in taxes. Thank you. How is that? Well, they do. It's one million pays the valuation. The valuation is two million. It's double. The value's double. And the value so of the rates the same. They pay twice as much in taxes. Yeah, but, but it doesn't fall to the third rate. Correct. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, don't think it should be more than that. That's the classism thing. Okay. Any more questions? I, I have one more question. Um, this is a little bit different. Um, it's not with the tax rate, but um, and this question actually came from my CPA. There are some old people who don't necessarily have to file taxes because, I don't know, for some reason their income is too little, and yet they've lost their home exemption because they didn't file taxes. Is that, what is your guys' position on that? Too bad for you? Um, we, we, were, we were made aware of that. Um, it's one of the ways to make sure people who live here actually get the home exemption. So. The idea is to, lack of a better term, cheaters. We don't want, we want to need different steps to catch the cheaters. You're correct, you don't have to file taxes. I think in Hawaii it's over a certain age or income, right. I don't know. But it's such a big benefit and filing your taxes, I know they're old, it's hard, but it's one of those things, if you want that huge benefit, we need you to take that little step to make sure you get it so we can make sure the system is you know sound because we when they started doing that um, requirement of the state of Hawaii income tax or the address report in the county you guys bounced out a ton of of um, home exemptions and I think they've been very patient helpful and cooperative with the seniors who um, haven't filed their state of Hawaii income. It's um, our director. He used to be in Marcy's job. He knows that you got to take care of the seniors. You know, like he's not trying to tax anyone out of their homes. He's trying to work with them. So um, just please, there's a lot of organizations that will help the seniors file their taxes for this purpose. So you know, please. Do you have a question? Yeah, I, I can. To his. Comments. Yeah, I had this issue uh, last year with 
when I went to the state tax office about this happening, and it's the reporting between the county and the state. But there is a form, there's a state form, I, I'm not going to tell you which one it is because I don't remember it, but they have a form for people like that that don't file taxes or are not required, but there is a form for your people in that category. So they need to do it. So whoever's doing their, if their taxes are helping them, tell them they need to get that form and just file it, just file the form. And that'll cover that. that it's, it's a short form. Right? It's a short form. Yeah. Just it. But yeah, because some people they just don't, they're not required to do the taxes, and so they fall into this, this bucket. And then they, and then what had happened was actually one of the people in the tax office had a family member that fell through yeah. the crack on that too. Oh. So that's when they became aware of it, just because of that. Yeah. And then they started doing this reporting between the county and so. So tell your people that are in that category they just need to. Get that form and do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have the number off the top of my head either, but it's a very one-page form, and uh, we just did it with some elderly clients. And, Jason, yeah. do you have a question? Yeah. So one of the the key components to me that I was I was disappointed to see leave the the tax bills was that dedication for long-term rentals and long-term affordable rentals. Um, are there any thoughts or any structures that that the council has been considering? regarding that and, and when you hope to implement it, what it might look like? Yeah. Why don't you answer that question? I think you're <laughs> instrumental in us taking it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I wasn't instrumental in taking it out. <laughs> it, what was proposed, um, we had four council members doing a take, so there was a, you know, everyone had input. So what started off here, went here, 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 and then it just became unworkable in the time frame to get everything passed by December 31st. Mm. So the biggest concern with that was when we were moving the condo, going from actual use to highest and best use on condos, because one of the things on condos is they told us, the condo owners did tell us, a lot of them do long-term rentals. However, they're zoned in hotel resort so based on highest and best use even if you're doing a long-term rental you go into the hotel resort class or short-term rental class so the council because they couldn't get their long-term dedication language squared away just decided you know what we'll leave condos as is we'll revisit when we have more time mm -hmm. so like, they're supposed to be doing it I don't know, sometime between budget, elections, and no, well, the next action. The, the TIG, which is the temporary group that we, uh, we have, is going to reconvene in January. Okay, good. But um, the big issue was they were trying to figure out if they only want to give this long-term rental dedication if you're renting to affordable renters or you know, mm -hmm. at residential workforce housing rates. Um, who gets it? How to verify? Because one of the things they do with dedications is when it's worded, they need to make sure that it's enforceable by RPT. So mm -hmm. it's not worth the effort. <laughs> <laughs> and if they're not there, they'll be taking rentals somewhere else. So just, that sounds crazy. Well, it's hard. Do we have a question here and then there? Yeah. So going back to the short-term vacation rentals, you know, right now the island has a program where each district has so many short-term permits that can be issued and a lot of areas aren't even full so you know trying to again trying to group everybody's all these illegal vacation rentals 
it comes down to enforcement. Mm -hmm. And this issue keeps coming up every single time I go to a short-term vacation rental discussion is the, everybody in the crowd says enforcement, and the council says we gotta you know, somehow penalize everybody or go after the taxes. But it comes down to enforcement because there's only so many permits for each district. I think Wailuku even has some openings. So I just want to make that point. You know, if we're not going to enforce it, we can keep raising $20,000, $30,000 a day for violations. The planning department does that. Yeah, everybody's ignoring that, though. But it comes out of the council, you know, as far as putting this stuff out here for us. You know, somebody's got to start enforcing this stuff. And then you'll get within the permits and track down the offenders. And you know, Paul Lewis seems to be going in that direction of enforcement. Yeah, we agree with you, and that's why the planning department is the department which enforces what you're talking about. And then maybe, do you have a relationship? Sure, you can explain. Um, you know, in my experience, the enforcement process is alive and well. Um, we get lists of properties that are being enforced whenever you know, planning sends a notification to a property owner. We're also being made aware and we're checking that against our home exemptions and our classifications and whatnot. Um, so we are working, you know, even our AOAO declaration program, um, we're finding that the property managers are being more forthright as, as time goes on. So. Um, it's a process, but it is in place, and I, you know, we are seeing the results of it. Somebody back there. Can you can you comment again or elaborate? I think you touched on it a little bit, but <clears throat> how to keep in check the um, the property tax liability for high value um, long time comma property where the income level does not even touch. Uh, the the value of the property. Can, can you can you comment on how how you're going to keep that in check? Okay, so that's the circuit breaker program. Can you explain that, please? I'm sorry. Yes. So if your property taxes exceed two percent of your adjusted gross income, you may qualify. So. As a public body, um, circuit breaker is one area like the home exemption that can be looked at and can be tweaked for um, tax relief. So always be aware of this program, the circuit breaker program. Right now the application period is still open. It's between August 1st to December 31st. And I would advise all of you just pull an application off of the website just so that you know what's required. But this gentleman first. Uh, just back <coughs> on your previous point, um, thanks for sharing that information in terms of what's really going on in the planning department and enforcement, because this point is really a huge one, and a lot of us have been arguing for this for years, and there was such an absence of enforcement, and uh, it was chalked up to the lack of manpower, improper tools, or we don't have the right stuff. And a lot of money was spent on hiring from the mainland, blah, 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 all this stuff. And there's a huge gap between reality and perception. And what I just heard you describe was the reality of what's going on. And maybe what Michelle needs to do is call your favorite journalist of the Maui News 
and say, here's an update for the public. You don't have to say the Smiths in your neighborhood have been found to be running an illegal rental. But you need to start to, the county needs to start communicating on those efforts because otherwise these gaps between perception and reality exist and people just don't know what's going on. And you know what happens if you leave a void in people's minds and uh, there's been tough stuff going on, generally they'll fill it with more of that bad stuff. So I think just clearly communicating Hey, we're making progress, we're not there yet, but here's where we're at, and tie that into, uh, I think, some discussion about the caps for short-term rental in different communities. These ones are full, these ones are not. They're still, you know, tied into a larger picture, but I just think some good, solid public relations on the part of uh, the planning department would go a long way, because otherwise it's just, yeah, nobody knows and everybody thinks it works. Okay. Um, back to the circuit breaker for a minute. Um, hypothetically, if, if you have um, a divorced couple and one of the parties lives in the home and has a homeowner exemption because that person lives there, um, when they apply for the circuit breaker, are the 2% the based on the owners on title or just the person who has a homeowner exemption? A household income. That's what I find. Yeah, so. Um, they're divorced, hopefully they're filing separately, and you really need to talk to our treasury department. They accept the applications. They're in, not where motor vehicles are, but it's next door. And I think the application kind of goes into detail. It, they walk you through it and tell you what, um, you know, what to fill in, what bucket. And that's why I advise you just, you know, as people in the real estate community, Look at that form, know what's available. Ask yourself, is the criteria a good criteria too? You know, maybe uh, something needs to be adjusted. And it's been adjusted over time, Circuit Breaker. So it's Do you know the answer to that though? Uh, no, because every situation is different. Yeah. That's why I think you should look at the form and figure it Treasury. out. Yeah, and talk to Treasury. And it, it walks you through <coughs> all the steps because there's a there's so, so many different scenarios. But um, if they file separately. But the home exemption is granted to the person living there. Person. Yeah. Um, with these things, it's so fact specific yeah. that I prefer she didn't get into a big hypothetical situation yeah. with you on record here. Um, and I would strongly suggest the law is in Article 13 of Chapter 3.48 Maui County Code. Please take a look at it. There's a, there's a lot into it. The circuit breaker is by no means simple. Thank you. Just a quick question on the circuit breaker. Does that have to be applied for on an annual basis? That is such a good question. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes. So the home exemption, you do not have to apply for every year. Agriculture use, we ask you to apply for between every four and seven years. We send you a notice reminding you to reapply. Circuit breaker is every year. You've got to remember to apply every year and uh, with home exemption we do send disallowances too so if you have to reapply for the home exemption we will send you a letter which goes back to why please make sure everyone has a good mailing address in our real property tax system <laughs> i have a question i beating this dead horse about affordable housing but like you guys use an example of lana poco who i have uh Kids and grandkids, I would love to move out of my house so we can. <laughs> <laughs> so, when do when do we stop? 
agreeing to the, the EMBs, the ACA, but they have their beautiful home, and now they don't want us below there. What, what, who is going to fight for my grandchildren on this council? I want a list of people that have said, that agreed with the people on the hill and not the people down. I want to know who's saying no to my grandchildren, and when are you guys going to stop and just say bullshit, and I'm going to do it, instead of building hotels after hotels or agreeing to a subdivision that to get into the subdivision, you have to pay a million dollars to move in. That's not helping us. That's not helping affordable housing. So who's a, who's agreeing or giving the, the go on these subdivisions that are not even benefiting my children? <laughs> well, there's nine of us. <laughs> <laughs> but those nine, I mean, nothing against like you or anything, but are those nine, are they the only ones that can tell those people up on the hill yes or no? Well, so I, when they ask well, for our vote, okay, why are they not what doing I'm saying, What I'm saying is that there are about three of us, maybe, that vote for housing projects all the time. Because we realize no housing project is perfect. Right. And there's we're, we're over 10,000 homes in deficit. Mm -hmm. So we can't be picky and choosy all the time. So we, we have to take what we can get in terms of housing. <laughs> but there are other members on the council who don't agree with us. They will say they will vote with the community. So that's what happens. Yeah. But those, that community has a lot of money in their pocket and they've already got their dream home where our kids can't get that dream home because they've, you guys approved this subdivision and then you said, but no, no CPR. And then six months later, they got these small little cottages, but that's not a cottage, that's, a, that's where I'm storing my shed, but there's five people in that shed. It's, just, it's, it's getting illegal, but nobody's penalizing them because they have the money in their pocket. So who's those other on that list? I wanna know who those other people are voting against them. And you know, maybe we should Remind well, them Jason can tell you. Okay, <laughs> you know, remind them what their job is and their role is in this. Yeah. Not just beg for my vote and then turn away from everybody. No. I'm not saying you're doing that, but I'm just saying the other ones. You know, that's. Well, I can tell you one thing. Yeah. I think you guys um, uh, endorse all of them. Not me. <laughs> we'll be there next time. Um, two things. One, it's you and Tasha. Who's the third person? Yuki Lee. Okay, so there you know, those guys vote for every project. Um, the second thing is, Joe, you go like Waikapu meeting. You get there, and when they start saying, oh, oh, we don't want houses, we have to talk to them too. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's got to be, we have to really take on this NIMBYism. <coughs> it's really going to be important to get workforce housing built. Yes, it's, it's true, but it's hard for, like when I was at the meeting, it's hard for me to stand up and say, Oh, um, like your concerns don't count? I mean, <laughs> you know, um, uh, because their concerns do count. But it, it's, we wish that they would have a broader understanding of the issues. Uh, oftentimes, the main concern is traffic. Yeah. You know? But they have to hear about and that's And you know, you can't argue against that. There's always traffic. But I've never seen a housing project that didn't have any cars. <laughs> so, I don't know, this is a reality and we all maybe have to slow down a little bit. But uh, in my mind, I've been in the area of housing for a long time. We need to spread the housing developments around. That's one of the, you know, one of the practical things we can do. Um, Central Maui, as you know, is just overwhelmed. And um, there's room in Haile Miley, 
a country. You know, there's room elsewhere. You know, just spread it around. And people have choices where they can live. But, but you're going to see, our council is a little different. Even though they're a little slow with regard to approving some projects, uh, everybody wants change. And, and Tasha is a tremendous advocate for housing. And, and even you know, like my committee's water, she'll, she'll say, okay, Alice, you want housing? Where's my water? You know, she, that's how far she'll go, you know, and I say, I'll get it to you, you know, but um, the thing is, I don't know if your association does outreach in the community or any, any kind of um, ads or Facebook messaging or, because honestly, we really need help. With, with three out of nine on the council, it's hard. We get outvoted all the time. Okay, you and then you. Yeah. So I run Maui Real Estate Radio that plays 7 a.m. If you guys ever need a soapbox to talk from, I'm there for you. Feel free to reach out to me and give me a call. Well, oh, thank you. Can I have your card? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, it plays 7 a.m. on Monday, so we get a, a good listenership. And then um, uh, maybe this is something for after to talk about. But uh, the, I know it's in the initial phases, but for the directive that they're doing out in Kahana, they're talking about, like, which is awesome, I think, by the way, for the shoreline project that they're oh, working yeah, yeah, for yeah. the erosion. Yeah. So um, they're talking about getting a bond or levying a regional tax. How does that, like, regional tax work? Okay. Oh. Oh. That's a community facilities district. Cool. Yeah. Okay. And that's in my committee. All right. And I've had two, I've already had two workshops on it. Um, we're hoping that, uh, thank goodness, Kahana is organized. Yeah. They're very organized and they have money and they've already initiated, um, SMA, not SMA, but uh, EIS. EA, EIS. EIS, yeah. EIS. So the way this works is um, they will apply through the county clerk's office for this community facilities district and um, there has to be a certain percentage of people yeah, that will be in the district that have to agree. I mean, you can't do it as an individual. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's all these property owners that are going to be affected. You need a certain percentage of them to okay it. And what's going to happen, uh, once you're approved and the council has to approve it, let's say they need, um, oh, $20 million. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and we approve it. And the way, uh, the bond is paid back is through property taxes. So essentially it's a lien on their property. So for 20 years of the length of bond. Right. And um, so they'll have their regular tax assessment, I mean a liability bill, and then they'll have the CFD bill, which might be, we're looking at, uh, there are some, they, some people ran some numbers and their cost might be $1,000 a year That's great. per unit, which is really good. And uh, yeah. the, the bond rates are reasonable. And, um, you know, it's all legitimate. So I'm hoping that, that they might be the first ones to, to work on, on this project and, and use this bond. We have another group up country. And uh, Atherton, of course, is, is looking at this very closely because he's done it before in California. Mm. And he needs um, a private wastewater system. So he's looking to use this bond as a way to pay for it. Thank and you. then somebody else, yes. Yeah. 
Thank you for coming. So Joe, as the chairperson of your GAC committee, yes, sir. there is always an open chair for you there. else am I going to do? And as president-elect, yeah. you should know that Bram has never taken a public position on a housing project. Mm. If you think that's an error, you are uniquely positioned at this point to raise that at the exec committee and the board of director level if you want to see us start involving ourselves directly in the approval process of housing projects. So, that's you. There's a challenge. <laughs> this is what happens, and, and I see you in our meetings a lot, and, and Jason as well. So you know that when we have a housing project, the gallery is filled with people against the project. And you have like maybe two people who are for the project. So that's, that's hard. It, it really is hard for people, for council members to turn around and see all these people against the project and then vote for it. I do it, but not too many people do that. <laughs> so a compliment for Alice, if I may. I made the mistake of sitting in Alice's office and asking her if we should focus development on Central Maui. And I will, tell you, <laughs> I will tell you, Alice is extremely passionate that we need to put housing everywhere on this island. Mm. So what she said to you today is something that she feels very passionate about. And I thank you for gently beating me up in your office. <laughs> Not violently beating me up in your office. And a quick question on the circuit breaker law. Is there an age limit? And is and did I read the form correctly that pro, that the house that the value of the structure cannot be more than five hundred and fifty thousand dollars? So there is no age limit because <coughs> dire financial times can happen to anyone. But there is a limit on the building value, so that might be one area that would have to be taken care of legislative, but. That's an area that maybe should be looked at every few years, given that values and cost prices change every few years. Do you know how long that number has been? Five fifty. Uh, well, twenty seventeen. Since twenty seventeen. Yeah. You have a question, Bob? I always that was the question well, I asked. It it was revisited. Yeah. Um, just when is when are the property taxes? Do because I've seen our property tax bill when we get like first, you can make like a first half and a second half payment. So we were assessed for our property value as of January 1st, and that's for January through December. Is that right? Our, and then our bill comes and we can pay it in two portions and we decide when are those two due for the value for this calendar year. So your value is as of. January 1, and then we bill you by July 20th for your first half and January 20th for your second half. Okay. So it's a. Uh, um, Explain the tax year is fiscal. Yes, yeah, so your tax year is fiscal, and your assessment year, your valuation year is a calendar year. So if you understand that, you can come work for our office. <laughs> that is the first and hardest thing everyone who works for our office must know. And um, we actually create little timelines for our staff and for the public. So when you come in to apply for an exemption, we'll have a little 
timeline, and I think I've given it to the um, RAM before, but it's a public document and it's kind of nice to see in front of you because even just standing up here after 20 years, I'm, oh, I'm talking about it. But uh, yeah, there is a lag. You know, and once you're in the program, you don't really feel it, but the new owners kind of, you know, you'll you feel it, new applicants feel it. And when is, um, when is the county's fiscal year? July, July 1st, 1 to, to June 30th. So you're always built, I mean, taxes are built in arrears, right? I mean, you're, mm -hmm. you're paying for tax. Yeah. And that impacts, you yeah. know, I, I bought my home a long time ago, but I bought it January 19th. So you, you end up with almost a year and a half left, right, before you can get your home exemption. Are there any specific community groups that are either strongly in favor or in opposition to these changes that you've heard from thus far? And can you elaborate on that? Well, Bob, definitely. I've seen him at at least two meetings. Um, some of you in the audience, um, not really uh, because the average person is not going to be affected. It's, it's those in the, you know, the, the $5 million homes or the $10 million homes, you know. Um, we didn't really want, we work with, very closely with the department throughout this whole process and we didn't necessarily want tiers for commercial and so forth, but they felt we should have it just in case. So, um, so we're, we're going through it together and like I said, slowly, but surely, so that's why you have until April to uh, lobby us on changing the rates. We, we have no idea what the rates are going to be. We have no plans to raise uh, any of the rates substantially unless something comes up in the budget that might require it. So it's wide open. It's really wide open. Yes? Is there anything uh, that we can help you with to get a more fair share of the TAT? Maybe something as a group we come together and you know because we have a lot of expenses and we have a lot of tourism here per capita. I know, I know. We need help. It's the state legislators if you have a, I guess Jason you must work with them right? Yeah, the Hawaii Association of Realtors is the, the organization that takes the lead when it comes to lobbying the state for things. Um, currently, we don't have it on the, the HAR agenda for this year to lobby for an increase in the TAT. Roy, do you have more to, to say on that? Yeah, so as the chairperson of the subcommittee of taxation for HARGAC, the state, and in particular the senator, who is the chair of the Ways and Means Committee, is not going to give one penny to any county that he doesn't have to. There is a, you're gonna see. How do we make them have to? <laughs> what you need to do is you need to get this guy voted out of office. Who is that? Sel Senator Don Vendela Cruz. Oh. Yeah, well he's on Oahu though. That's right, that's the problem. It's an Oahu senator, <laughs> not in our district. And he, he's the one that will, that's going to try to, I can tell you what the bills are going to be this year. GATs, GET increases, and counting um, the share of money from the state to the counties. I guarantee you we're going to see those bills. 
and my subcommittee plays defense and fights those things for the entire session. I'd love to talk to you about strategy sometime. That'd be great. Mm -hmm. I like I like your your energy. <laughs> <laughs> this is a circuit breaker question on the circuit breaker. Does it affect a person who receives circuit breaker? Does it affect if they change how they hold the property and ownership? Does it affect their uh, eligibility? Okay. Well, you have to be a homeowner. Four of the last five years. Yeah, and you have to have your home exemption for four of the last five years. So you can't move here. Oh, I'm sorry, five out of six. Five, five out of six. We can't move here from the mainland and qualify yeah. Yeah. for a circuit. That's not really the question. I'm talking oh. about somebody who's already receiving it. Yeah. But then they change how they hold it, ownership. They change it to a trust or something. Does that affect their um, it, it shouldn't as long as they continue to qualify for the home exemption. So um, you may own your property in trust, but when you apply for the home exemption, you're applying as a, a person. And just if your guys are going to do that, yeah. make yeah. sure they contact yeah. the tre treasury does the form. Yeah, treasury or yeah. attorney. Or, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, you can talk to whoever, but I would strongly suggest talk to them, let them know what you're doing so they can flag it in the system or tell you, no, that won't work up front. Yeah. But if you do do it, that way at least there's no surprise, or there should be less chance of surprise. She had a beautiful Yeah, I had a question. I was at a previous class, and just going back to TAT tax. They were saying that the hotels, how they've been collecting the resort tax all these years, that they have not been required to pay the TAT on that resort fee. It's just one And that recently that that was getting changed, and we're going to have to pay that. That's a state tax. Yeah, but hopefully there'll be a lot of money that would... Yeah, state tax. We don't get into the weeds okay. on it too much. Thank you. Yeah, we're at their mercy. Yes, I understand. Yeah. Has there any, been any consideration on the short-term vacation rental tax as far as um, tiers for residential zones where we don't want short-term vacation rentals and a different tier for a vacation resort zone area where you're defining an incentive? <laughs> to remove them from our residential zones, but you're incenting in the areas that fuel the tax base for TAT, which is okay. the resort zone. So what's your opinion? Because they're the ones that have to implement. So what do you think? Currently, they're all in the same bucket. They're all in. So this short-term rental class includes your properties that are zoned hotel and resort allow short-term rentals. It includes the properties that are zoned apartment that are allowed to do short-term rentals. <coughs> and it includes those properties that have the short-term rental permits. They're all lumped together in I, this class. I think what he's saying though is he'd like to see short-term right. rental permits be their own class. So the short-term rental permits are not their own class, but commercialized residential, the bed and breakfast, owners are their own class. <coughs> the point in where I'm going is I, I fail to see how a multi-million dollar oceanfront property in Wailea is going to benefit our housing stock. 
right? <laughs> but I do see how our housing stock is being reduced, and everybody knows from a short-term vacation rental perspective, the economics play out much more in the favor of somebody renting on a short-term basis than a long-term basis in a residential community. So if we want to fight the housing stock, we're, we're putting a huge disproportionate burden on the visitor-designated areas that are supporting other things like TAT and, and a lot of the economy on this island versus what's happening in the residential. I, I can't say probably what's gonna happen, and this will be the argument, <coughs> not saying right or wrong, but if you put all the guys who actually get the permits into their own class, they're gonna say, see, we became legitimate, and all you're doing is punishing us more. Yeah, and that it all gets back to enforcement at the end of the day. And one thing uh, you should keep in mind is actually there's also a, land use and zoning issue that relates to this because when you look at the short-term vacation rental permits, that's simply a permit that allows you to actually do yeah. that. The fees and all the costs associated with that, insurances and everything we need to get are huge. They're already penalized to begin with and they don't get the benefit of having uh, the zoning, which of course is transferable if you decide you want to sell the property. So my, I would, I think those groups have argued very successfully that they're, they're in a fair, fair area right now and they've already been penalized well, significantly above and beyond. Based upon today's structure, yeah. yeah I, I, I yeah. agree with that. Sure. So this isn't really property taxes, but I'm, I'm just curious, have you guys had any conversation in uh, about increasing the uh, radius size for opposition for, um, for, for new STRs? Because like in agricultural communities, I mean, five, 500 feet is it's not that big, right? <laughs> Uh, I'm just wondering if you've, you've had any conversations regarding that, if, if, and, if, and if you can comment on it. No, we haven't. Okay. No one's brought it up, actually, that, yeah, I, I, know mean, of, that I know of. I mean, I, I live in Conopoly Coffee Farms, and those are five-acre <laughs> lots, right? And the vast majority of the community is drastically opposed to that, and there's a number of people who are trying to go through that process. But because of that 500-foot concentration, and from what I understand, they get far more uh, weight to those individuals who protest within that radius um, but that's a very small area when when you're looking at you know five acre lots or Lonnie Poco or you know those sorts of areas so I, I think something worthwhile considering increasing that radius size because as I would understand that that may impact for when those permits expire uh, the ability to obtain a new permit on the next round mm -hmm. well you spend more time in land use than I do. But that type of change would um, probably have to start with the department, and then go to the planning commission, yeah. and come to the council. Uh, we may see it again maybe in a year and a half or something like that. It's kind of a long process. Yeah. But you know, we'll certainly take it into consideration. Thank you. And then you have questions. Um, my question's for Mercy. Um, what, what exactly is commercialized residential, what would be? So the commercialized residential class is a pretty small class. It's the people who have the um, bed and breakfast permits or people who have the transient vacation rental permits which existed before the program that we now know. Um, there's a handful of those as well. So. Um, you can, again, if you go on to the real property, or you go to the County Maui website and search, put assessed values, and 
we have um, a link of a statistics book that's published each year, and then it'll show you how many properties are in that classification. But the idea behind that classification is they're owner-occupied, but they're also doing short-term rental. Versus someone who like <laughs> buys a condo and rents it out long-term. Right, that the owner is supposed to be living there, and that they gave up their home exemption to do the short-term rental. But if they're permitted for short-term rental, they don't necessarily need to live on property. That's only for the bed and breakfast. Comrades is only for bed and breakfast, pretty oh, much. Yeah. Not for the short term. No, right. The short term rentals well, are the in the STRs. They're, they're the old TVRs. The old TVRs. So the old TVRs are lumped in with the BNBs in the same classification. Yes. Regardless yeah. of whether someone occupies that property yeah. or not. Correct. And they're in a lower uh, tax. Yeah. Yeah. So so the rates lower. The old TVRs are like the apartment zone. No, no, no. They're they're they literally have a there are people who are, yeah, who are legal back, back in the day. Oh, like way back in the day. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I did yeah. yeah. So there's special use permits. Yeah. Basically. Yes, yes. Yeah. And why, why exactly were those grandfathered in, the TBRs? Because the TBR is essentially a, a new STR. So. Well, um. Uh, that, it's a, it was policy for the council, but. Yeah. It was because these early adopters, when they first got in, they were under that deal. That was the deal they had. So the council, when they changed over to the STRH permit system, they just felt to honor what these other early adopters had done. It's okay. a policy decision. It was, okay. That's why it was there, though. Um, have these uh, classifications been proposed? That's the first question. I mean, uh, have they been adopted? And each of these... Um, classifications will have tiers. Is that what is your planning? They will have the ability yeah. <laughs> to have tiers, but not not, but not whether. But we don't know what's going to happen. Or for these these classes have the um, legislative ability to have the tiers, but we don't know yeah, if the council is going to. And just for your information, uh, although we passed uh, this on second reading. It has this ordinance hasn't been, as far as I know, hasn't been signed by the mayor. Okay. Okay. However, even if he vetoed it, we would have enough votes to override. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so these classifications have not been accepted yet. Is that yes or no? We're in the process. They're in the process, like she said. Yeah. The mayor has to sign it into wow. law, but if he if he decides to veto it, we have I, I believe we have the votes from judging from how everybody has voted in the past mm -hmm. since July, we have a minimum of seven votes as far so as I know. The proposal is that each of these classifications will have tiers. Is that correct? It's gonna depend. They're yeah. gonna establish the tiers when they establish the rates in April, May, during the budget session. So they could be tiered, they might not be, we don't know, but the ability to do it exists due to Bill 59, 58 and 59. Did somebody else have their hand up? So you know, again, we're not rushing this. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but, um, so if I understand you created a frame, correct? Yes. But, and the frame so far is empty. 
Yeah. Maybe maybe you should communicate with us. Maybe an article in the Maui News, so we all understand. Because I really understood that it was done. No. And please I don't know how else to, I don't know how else to uh, word this, but we just created the framework, but we did not uh, <laughs> we did not pass the rates or the tiers for the next budget. No numbers are set. No numbers are set. We don't even receive the mayor's budget till March twenty fifth. You know, and that's just receiving it. Then we got to go to all the districts and and uh, get input from all the communities, and then we have deliberations. So around the end of April, we make our decision, and uh, we make our final this first reading, second reading in May. So that's kind of a long time from now, but but, but that gives you guys a lot of time to provide your input. Any, any other questions? You know what, uh, if you have further questions, please give it to Jason. We see Jason all the time. And we can, uh, uh, I can pass it along to Marcy, or Marcy can pass it along to me. And we'll, we'll try and get back to you as soon as we can. Because I, some of you, well, a lot of you have had good suggestions. And this is the kind of input we're looking for. Yes. Alan, thank you so much for coming today. And please know that this organization is here to help too, and help you, and you, you brought some of those issues up, so. I guess it's on us to rally the troops here, and we will, we'll do our best, so and so you're not feeling alone in there, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we'll do our best. You can't be lonesome in the chamber. I know, yeah. but we're, we're, we're here to help too, you know, and it's a great <clears throat> Thank you, thank you for coming, Martin, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.